0: hi everyone before we start the show I wanted to ask that if you like what we're doing here you might consider donating to keep it moving onward and upward we have a patreon at patreon.com backslash and a paypal at paypal.me backslash five dollars a patreon will get you bonus episodes but even a dollar helps more than you can imagine because no cartridge is funded by listeners like you thank you Cartridge audio. My name is Trevor Strunk, Hagelbon on Twitter. And uh back with us again are our our recurring guest, uh, my friend and yours, Scott Benson at Bombsfall. You know him from uh Night in the Woods, you know him from as part of the Infinite Fall studio. Uh you just know him from his his Twitter hijinks. Scott, welcome back. <laughs> Hold on,
1: I'm doing some hijinks. I need there needs to be some like hijinks music in here. Yeah, I'll, george gershwin like american in paris or whatever like i'll just make uh, julian a uh, note here uh
0: julian as our <laughs> producer uh please include some music uh for hijinks for scott
1: Yeah. uh uh yeah hi hello thanks for having me back on this yeah, is like anytime. my third well it's actually, it's like my fourth time because the one the second time i was almost split into two podcasts yeah that was a long one uh, i haven't listened to that one i've listened to the first one that i i was on i have to sometimes listen to go back and listen to podcasts because i'm afraid i said something really stupid <laughs> and so i have to go back and listen to them just to be like okay all right there's nothing in there that i need to worry about anyone hearing um i usually and, cut out all the racism you put in th- thank you thank you i really i appreciate it all the yeah. like the really antiquarian racism <laughs> uh where i'm like upset at polish people or something um but yeah uh i appreciate that and also thank yeah, you for also,
0: oh anytime yeah. yeah no people people will always say and I, I i say this not to toot my own horn but yours is like people will always tell me they uh when they go back and listen to your episodes, they're always huh. very, very pleased and have questions for me and are excited about them. So
1: that's very um, nice. Yeah, of course. My pleasure. I, um, I I always get the comments of like, man, you say like and uh, a lot. And so I'm saying that now so that everyone listening to this can keep a count, a running count going. Now, I'm saying that now just you, to annoy the people who, who who come back
0: and tell me. And now you can be hyper aware, too. It's it's a you're playing double duty. That's really nice. Like, um yeah. <laughs> I had I had a friend of mine on Twitter say he he made it to the third um in like the second minute uh, during one of my podcasts and that that really that really uh really made some things clear for me.
1: <laughs> it's it, listen, it's it's common speech. This is like a weird thing we have with Night in the Woods. Sometimes it's like people will be like, oh, they talk like hipsters because they say like like and um, and I'm like. Uh, that's how every person on earth talks, like yeah, rec- record yourself once you're going to find yeah, out how much you can go, do it. go to, go to wherever you consider real people to be, you know, <laughs> uh, and, and, and listen to them speak. And I doubt there, you know, there's going to be some likes and some uns and some other crutch words. This is, this is a, this is part of our, uh, part of our language. Um, yeah, because we don't generally, it's not the, it's not, uh,
0: it's not the Gilmore girls. We're not, uh. We're not just right. constantly throwing out bon mots without any sort yeah, of we're not like, doing
1: screwball comedy like dialogue <laughs> or something here. Yeah, it'd be great if we were, but we're not uh yeah it's it's something that like I actually like the fact that like people bemoan like the likes and the ums and the kindas and the et cetera's and but I like them I think like it, it's like rhythmic, it's interesting it's like. It's an interesting thing to have in speech, these like moments of like, you know, like holding on something for a second and the idea of like ums and uhs being like uh yeah. this is what I'm thinking, and that means this about what I'm like it's it's super <laughs> interesting and I love it. Uh I don't know why people uh don't I I think it's honestly just the fact that we're taught that a certain kind of speech is like it it means you're doing it correctly and everything else is like kind of sub subpar. Yeah. Um, I mean, any, any sort of professor, uh, quirk,
0: and I'm, I'm allowed to have one of those, not because, uh, I have succeeded as a professor, but because I still teach courses. So I'm allowed mm -hmm. to have them. Um, I can hear the tweed. Yeah. Well, I'm wearing it. I wear it at all times. Uh, if I take it off, I lose my powers. Is this like a
1: doctor with like the white jacket? Like only they're allowed to wear it. Like you get
0: the ceremonial tweed. It's a mix between a doctor in a white jacket and, um, like, uh, uh, Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat, okay. or like uh, Green Lantern's ring, or something
1: like uh-huh. that. Like you know, as long <laughs> as I'm wearing is. it, <laughs> did did Joseph's dream coat give him magical powers? Because that's not okay. in the Bible. Is that in the musical? I thought maybe in the musical. It, it might dead. be. So the yeah, idea yeah. here is that Joseph, like that's his like magical MacGuffin. That like yeah. he, yeah, he right. <laughs> with the power of the magical Technicolor dream coat he can now do whatever thing. I
0: definitely am. I definitely am combining Joseph from the Bible with a madcap 70s DC, like four issue. Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's going to that's going to upset some people. Um, And his Green
1: Lantern (laughs) and his ring, Eric Garland and and his craft amphetamines and his Um, amphetamines. I uh, I, I'm going to say this on here. I I felt that this was a little too mean to tweet, but I'm going to say it here. Um, this is my uh, thought from the other night. Is that like so Eric Garland? Listeners of the show, I'm sure a lot of your listeners know who Eric Garland is. I, he's yeah, a, I would. He's insert explainer of Eric Garland here because I don't even know how to do it. But like, um, he, there's going to come a point where like you know his his demons are are going to catch up with him or something, and there's going to be like a part of Resistance Twitter that is like utterly convinced that like Russia forced Eric Garland at gunpoint to like do enough coke to resurrect and then re-kill Andrew Breitbart. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, there's going to be a point where, because like reading his <laughs> tweets, I'm like, I feel bad for the guy because I'm like, dude, you've got like, th- there's, there's, there's there's issues going on here beyond just you're a wacky Twitter guy. And this is oh, like, yeah. I could very foresee this. and I And I feel for the guy like ending badly. But I do think that because of just how absolutely nutty that whole thing has gotten that there's no way that eric you know eric garland obvious guy a guy who obviously has some issues you know succumbed to said issues without there's there's definitely going to be a yeah but russia did it and it's just like no guys we, we just ended up with kind of a wacky kind of unhealthy kind of a jerk on twitter that randomly got an argue the audience thanks to like people from mother jones and stuff last year I, I blame him completely. I blame him completely for the for the
0: trend I've been seeing where people will make like a good thread, like a, a good sort of like series of ideas, mm. and then it'll start getting retweeted, and people will be like, "If you liked this thread, check out my other threads." Mm. And I, I read that. And I'm like, "What are you? What are you promoting?" Here? I,
1: I I have totally done that. You've done that. You've <laughs> I, you've linked threads and threads. I have totally done that. Yeah. i I'm, I'm Scott. listen. My my threads are but listen. The hijinks aforementioned ijinx see sure. i like your threads i never knew you linked threads and threads i'm sorry i wouldn't have I've, said i've it. linked uh, i've linked threads, and, and 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 it was funny because you're like what are you promoting it's like absolutely nothing like <laughs> I, I i i'm just like oh well if you liked this one brilliant thought uh, why not go on to this one i think it's because like um for like Eric Garland considers himself an actual uh, something like a journalist or he can he yeah, thinks he's, he's doing op? something useful. Like he's yeah. I forget like what he actually bills himself as, but it's like a bunch of bullshit words that don't mean anything. Like He's like a futurist. Yeah. And yeah. He says futurist. He says strategist, I think. Yes. He's like a, a strategy strategist. Or I, I don't know what the fuck it is, but he bills himself as something. You can book Eric Garland to do some. I mean, probably play bass, but like some <laughs> other things, too. And. So, like, he's doing it, like, in, like, a career sense, whereas I, I am just bullshitting, I think. I don't know that I'm doing anything particularly useful uh, on it. But that having been said, it's the closest thing I have to, I think, a body of writing that isn't, like, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I, I realized this, like, last week, because, like, um, or recently, because which is, you know, the the Twitter oh, yeah. thing, no. the, you know, the service that keeps Twitter threads and and such things like archive that's going away. And I realized that there were several things that I had written over the years, but I didn't realize like I had internally thought of it like as, Oh no, this is an actual body of writing. Interesting. And it's, it's, it's funny because Twitter is so ephemeral and so silly. Um, and everyone who's on it, the people that use it most hate it the most, sure, um, of course. you know, yeah and uh and stuff but like i yeah i realized i'm like oh no like these l- bits of comedic writing that i didn't really th- think of as bits of comedic writing but no they were they were they were uses of the form yeah uh, and and stuff and then there was a few things that i thought were like you know halfway decent you know little Thoughts. polemical things or whatever In that i says yeah something like that and it, it's embarrassing to think about because I think we all rightly know that Twitter is just really silly um, and bad often and completely deranges <laughs> people. But like and gives like I think honestly legitimately some unhealthy kind of somewhat nasty people like Garland a place to shine and a place to be yeah. to be to be someone all, um, their, I all that, their make them famous at that point yeah yeah it's like it, it's like the shitty like small town op-ed writers or something on, sure. on you know like cranked all the way up on craft beers and enveniment like it's <laughs> all the people that you're like no don't give them a platform <laughs> uh, but the, but twitter gives them a platform but it also gives platforms to like idiots like me to run around and just like drop little things so like it made me think, like, because it, it, actually, me doing like medium posts, which are kind of their own slightly laughable thing, yeah. Like, um, so I, I was thinking, like, oh well, if I if I'm writing, if I feel strongly about this, maybe I should just start like writing things. But it, there's something that feels incredibly egotistical about having like a blog, you know, <laughs> um, for for I mean, me at
0: least. Yeah, no, that's funny because I would say I would say it's less egotistical. I I would feel like I I would feel more egotistical. And I'm not saying you are egotistical for doing it, but like personally, I would feel egotistical to if if I was like, "Oh, check out this thread." Like, I have a oh, really hard time. Yeah. I have a really hard time like telling people like, "Okay, like here's here's another podcast you can look at," or like make sure you look at the Patreon. To the point that like. I don't know, by episode 50, people who have been following me for years are like, oh, you have a podcast?
1: I post (laughs) it. You have a really good podcast. It's very, very good. (laughs) Thank you. I know I'm on the podcast, but this is a very good podcast and people listening to this should listen to it.
0: Well, thank you. Thank you. But I I, I promise I wasn't fishing, but that means a lot. Um, (laughs) It does. It does. But the um, yeah, but like I, I wouldn't feel that way about a blog. And I think it's just because of how I was socialized in graduate school. Like mm-hmm. you just have a blog, you have like you, you write papers sometimes
1: and they have bold claims and you
0: give them to people who might not read them. Um, and that, That's
1: the thing I think that's different is I think that when I think of things that you write, they're like pieces. You've mm-hmm. written a piece or something. You've written an essay, whereas Twitter for me is like a bunch of chained thoughts. I think it's a unique form of writing uh, when it's done well. And I think a good right. Twitter essay, like we joke about it a lot rightly because of people like Garland or like uh, Jeet here um, and, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Jeet, uh, and his like endless, endless essays about everything um, and other people that you know, you're just like, oh, this is horrible and sometimes they're really bad and sometimes my essays are really bad too and I don't do them as much as I used to now. Um, but like I do think that it is a a unique form of writing that will never I don't think develop into a sophistication that it maybe should just simply because none of us take it seriously Mm -hmm. at all. And and I say this as someone who does most of his writing of any sort on Twitter. Um, But I don't know. It's like the the thread that we're probably going to chat about tonight. That was a thread. Well, yeah, um, no, actually I was, I was going to say that's like, that's,
0: that thread was actually, I mean, that's why I wanted to talk to you about initially, I mean, a couple of weeks ago, I guess we, we chatted a little bit about it. Mm-hmm. Like you had a thread up that was about um, uh, the sort of like what, what you were calling like the puzzle box uh, conundrum in, in, in uh, basically in media now, where people mm-hmm. feel the need to solve a, um, a piece of art as opposed to sort of like Well, I guess we could talk about what the, as opposed to would be. Um, But that was a thread. And I think like, you're right. Like there's a, there's a, um, there's a quality to that thought that is not fully fleshed out, but really interesting and of the moment that Twitter probably gets at better than anything else does.
1: Yeah. There's a back and forth. There's um, Twitter also. I mean, this is a big thing with night in the woods, this game that we worked on. Uh, I feel like uh, whenever I'm on anything, I have to like every time I mention <laughs> Night in the Woods, like mention that that what it is for people who don't know what it is. Right. Uh, so don't, I Don't assume everyone made a video game called Night in the Woods, and uh, but one of the things that Twitter was because um, like I've said before that like Twitter um, influenced the writing in Night in the Woods, and people people think what that means is that you want to talk like within memes or something, right? And it's and it's like no, what I mean by that is that. Twitter, or at least until recently, uh, cut everything down into 140-character bite-sized little things. And so if you wanted to tell a story or you wanted to do an essay or you wanted to do something, you had to kind of get okay at using that form live, I guess, in a way that, like, oh, I can interact with people and we can, like, you know, like, chat. And it's, like, it's an actual form. And um, that was an influence on the game because it taught me kind of how to use pauses and like half sentences where you, it's, it's kind of like in the same way that like people who do comics. Yeah. It's about like, concision for sure. Yeah. And and like rhythm and cadence and all that. And I think that Twitter is really good for teaching that. Mm-hmm. Um, it is just like a natural way, at least for me, it was a very natural way to learn how to use these chopped up, like you know little little bits that you need to use for things like writing in games um and uh and yeah so like uh i think that uh so anyway so all 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 this to say is that like um totally slightly lost my train of thought in the middle no no it's okay i mean like it's true like it
0: it is a I think all that's to say like it is a kind of form like I don't know if I don't know if there's an easy segue like it is its own form it's it it helps writing dialogue it helps writing comedy like I remember in 2013 I was mostly just interested in writing jokes on Twitter when I joined yeah uh,
1: Twitter is amazing for writing jokes because you know at least potentially it requires (laughs) that concision and like that conciseness, even in long form, is like it's its own thing, and it teaches you kind of how to to have this stream of whatever. In the same way that, like, if you're doing a stand up routine, right? Like, if you're doing a stand up routine, you're going to have these pauses, and you're going to have these moments where you hang on something, and you keep information back or just one word from a sentence back uh, from the audience until the very, very end. And I think that that's really um, kind of useful and cool and underappreciated. Uh for really good re- there's really great reasons why it's underappreciated. Oh yeah. But yeah. Um uh but, 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 but. I was going on this train of thought from Night in the Woods. Oh yeah, so we made a game called Night in the Woods. There you go. <laughs> uh, that can be that's that's a good that's a good uh punctuation there
0: for the end. That's a good stinger. Uh there's a game called Night in the Woods. <laughs> if you want to know more about concision and dialogue, um it's on all sorts of places. I think you get the most money if they buy it on itch.io, correct?
1: Uh, yeah, we're 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 pretty good, I think, just about everywhere. So it's cool. <laughs> Don't worry. But itch, you should just support itch because itch is good. You know what's funny? I just made this whole long rambling thing about concision in like the least concise way possible. Well, that's the so, reason. I mean, that's like when they when when you say like talk about jokes, it's like mm-hmm. well, it's it, you can only
0: do that in the least funny way possible. Yeah, absolutely. Like, talking about concision. I've had a million lectures where I'm like, OK, so one of the things that you want to do in academic writing is be concise. And then 50 minutes later, I'm like, well, we're out of time. But remember about mm-hmm. concision.
1: Um, Any academic I've ever I've ever read is like the opposite of concise. Um, the nicest
0: compliments I've gotten are when people like, are when people say like, Wow, your writing is actually like lucid for an
1: academic. <laughs> well, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. It's, it's taken a lot of work. You're like, listen. We smart people write like shit, okay? Everyone um, just rewards um, us for
0: using big words and you know, loopy Joycean sentences.
1: And, um, good. Oh no, sorry. I realized I was about to take us off track, but <laughs> I'm going to. Ta- I'm going. I'm. I'm pausing this this train of thought to take us off track later. Okay. So, good. 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 Uh, putting, I'm, I'm storing this train. Yeah, store it. Write. Write it on one of the many post-it notes. Um, that I'm sure are just around your computer because you're creative. As a, so. as, as a creative person, I have endless amounts of Post-its, note cards, <laughs> notebooks, moleskins of every size and shape. I, I uh, will say I, I
0: like a good moleskin. I'm uh, I'm 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 partial. They are my they are my uh,
1: commodity fetish of choice. They are they are aesthetically very very pleasing. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's an interesting market of the notebooks are interesting and like like pens and other things like that because they're marketed to make you feel as though this is the environment in which you can finally do that thing you've been trying to do Mm -hmm. (laughs) i i use i use uh just rollerball like ink like you know really nice like slippery ink uh pens and mead five-star notebooks college ruled that is like literally all i use nice night in the woods is in three and a half of those
0: Um. No, it's good, and I I, like. There's so one of the one of the podcasts I've really been enjoying recently is uh, your Kickstarter sucks with uh, with uh, uh, Jesse Farrar and Mike Hale. Um, I hear that's really good. I haven't I haven't listened to it. It's very very funny. funny. It's also um, deeply anti capitalist. They they really really lay. I mean. Mike is a DSA member. Uh, Mm -hmm. Jesse isn't, but Jesse really lays into capitalism a lot. Uh, I suggest anyone listen to it. It's funny. Um, And sometimes poignant, but one of the things they always go back on with all these Kickstarters is like every single one is this thing that you think you will buy that will make your life so much easier and so much nicer. So many wallets and coolers. Yeah. Right. And it solves, it solves like one half of one second of your day and it never makes you happier. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think that's like, there's something, there's something to that. And this is, this is going to be my segue into the topic. Like there seems to be something to that format of thinking that goes along with how you were talking about in your, in your thread Mm -hmm. about aesthetic consumption. Cause of course, like we're, we're marketed everything as if it is the missing link in a chain of, um, seamless existence, right? Like, yes if I get this notebook, then finally, like I'll have something to write in when I'm at the coffee shop and I'll be able to bring my work and I'm not going to get mm-hmm. behind. And like, you know, if I have a nice jacket, then I can get there and not feel like a slob and, mm-hmm. and, 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 and everything sort of has this like link in a chain that constructs a, a an ideal person. Um, and I, I guess it's not a surprise that, and maybe this isn't what exactly what you were saying, but maybe you can elaborate a little. I guess it's not a surprise that we treat our art the same way, that it would be either a link in that chain or made up of those same kind of chains.
1: Yeah, I can, I can see that. We should probably actually describe what this thread was about. Yeah, please, go uh, ahead. To, to people. Um, basically, the, the core of it, and I'm no expert on any of this, and in fact, the thread was me kind of calling out to other people going, I'm sure there's terminology and actual understandings of this, uh, and I actually found out that there is a little bit, but not really in any cons- like really concise sense. Mm-hmm. This is something that I think a lot of people are right now in particular grappling with in a new way. So a lot of people could, uh, could relate it back to older arguments about structuralism and stuff. Yeah. But as it is today, there was just a lot of really, really fast. It was one of those r- like rare Twitter threads where you post a kind of a a, a, an interesting or weird question and you get a lot of actually interesting thought-provoking responses back. Uh, it was is, pretty good. It's, it's just a bunch of jokes. It's, the opposite of, die, a, uh, a, it's the opposite of sweetening a, it's the of a fellas. Is it gay joke? Yeah, basically. Um, <laughs> so um, fellas is a gay to be into structuralism, but like, so um, the, um, uh, so the, the basic thing was this, um, a, Propensity I was asking for a term or what terminology existed for for this thing I'm about to describe. And it's a propensity for um readers, um and in, in the entire culture around narratives in particular to uh the expectation that everything is a well oiled small machine. Mm. Um and by small, I, I'm using that to say that every part matters, like every part is, you know, if you OK, if there's a, a missing father or or a sorry, a, like an old friend or someone who is not there, like on screen when a mysterious villain shows up, it must be one of those two, because we've it's all this like very, very small box and we've Mm -hmm. moved one part to the other part. You know, if you have background information about the world or something in a narrative, then it has to move. I I, I was using the, just the, like the metaphor of like gears, like everything has to turn a gear. We discovered this. um, The reason why this came about is because uh, we released this game night in the woods. Uh, We worked on a game called night in the woods you just can keep introducing. <coughs> hang on, hang on. You worked on a game called Night in the Woods. Yeah, I worked on a, worked on a game called Red Faction Guerrilla, and <laughs> um, we. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, but in, in Night in the Woods, I I was really amazed, not really disheartened. I'm not like. By the way, I really, really want to say this before, I'm not like annoyed at any of this or anything. Like, I love that people care so much about it. Like, I think that there's issue with. It, as a mo- as a dominant mode of unnamed analysis, but it's not like, you know, I'm not, this is not me going, Oh, stupid fans or something. No, it was great. It's fantastic. I love it. But like, but I, I was interested uh, when the game came out of just the kind of like, I was, I was unfamiliar, I think with the, the depth and the kind of like, um, solidity of the, the expectations that come with like fan theorizing. Mm-hmm. Um, the in our game, we have like a lot of we have like, you know, there's a there's a side game where the a character is telling another character like like a like a holiday ghost story fairy tale type thing. Yeah, um, I would get emails and this is it's clearly fictional. It actually is referenced as fictional several times. Um, is just being folklore is just being whatever. Um, but we would get I would get lots of emails and I still do that. It's just like, well, what was the point of that story? Like, is she is the main character from Night in the Woods related to that person? Hmm. Like, are they it, does she have like magical powers because of a bloodline connection to this person from this folklore? So <laughs> like, I, I, hey, like I figured it out. All these constellations in the sky are all somehow related to these real characters in like some in some literal way. And I would I would say no, you know this is just these were here because of these themes and because of the world and because this you know hopefully linked up to that thing. You know, I mean, obviously you can only like do so much. And like I, I love all the alternate weird fan theories that people come up with that I never thought of. But there was a thread <laughs> after a while of, of 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 a huge amount of like literalism uh, in in the way that a uh, kind of uh, some folks were trying to click everything together, like I said, into this little machine that you can turn the crank and like every single thing uh, works together. You can actually just look up fan theory videos for like a lot of different things. Um, And those are fun and those are cool. And I do that all the time in things that I'm watching. I'm like, I wonder if this thing is that thing or whatever, there's nothing wrong with it. But the the issue I think that comes up is not in, in what any of these people are doing or what you or I do when we think about any of this stuff. But the fact that it's, a really specific analytical and interpretation like mode and, and it affects how people write stories and it mm. affects how people expect, uh, stories to be written and it doesn't have a name. Like we started calling it puzzle box stuff, uh, which a uh, puzzle box, uh, d- like narratives, uh, in part, like, like I've only ever used that in, p- in the past to refer to kind of like, the ultimate and I what I, you know, think is a bad version of it, like the J.J. J. Abrams or like Damon Lindorf type yeah, okay. of thing right. of like, you know, everything is about opening a box. That box gives you a key to a door. That door gives you a code that code. And this is like your four seasons in at this point. Yeah. And, and you that just code keep finding out. Right. Yeah, like uh, Stephen Moffat, you know, in like the Doctor Who's uh, like seasons, like he became kind of infamous for this, too. There'd be like a, well, we're all going to discover like what the name of the Doctor Who is. And it's just like, who gives a fuck? Like, no, one. that is the least interesting information (laughs) ever. But it was it was just the thing to go after. And I'm all about MacGuffins. But when every single story is built in this kind of like contraption way, I, I feel like. it it, it leads to a difficult, it leads to all these like extra things. And it's not because it's uniquely bad. It's because every single analytical frame that you use and every kind of like bunch of expectations you bring into a story as a reader and as a creator have their ups and downs, like their upsides and their downsides. And I think because this one is so prevalent and, and yet is unnamed it's seen as just common sense. Right. Um, and I think that is the problem, like the, the the issue problem is overstating it. That's the interesting thing to me. The interesting kind of like rub is that this is, is is a fine and cool way of making stories and analyzing stories and stuff. But the fact that it doesn't it isn't known as, oh, well, I'm using I'm doing this kind of thing. It's just no, that's just how you make a story and how you analyze it.
0: Well, it's, it's um, fascinating, too, like as you explain it. And I'm glad I'm glad you explained it that way, because, you know, when you first said it. Immediately what I thought of was, oh, it's sort of like the the autonomous aesthetic object, which is like the modernists are obsessed with it. It's this thing that can't be touched. That isn't sort of, uh, um, it isn't fooled with by society. There is like, it has an internal logic, basically. That isn't mm-hmm. social logic. It's its own artistic logic. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if that's the same thing. I think it's actually closer to what you were saying, like structuralism, uh, the old critic named Vladimir Propp who maybe people referenced um, in your thread where like his whole deal was um, uh, a German, Oh, I'm sorry, Russian folklore. Um, and, you know, there's like certain people in Russian folklore or um, a, a, a commedia, dell'arte arte um, mm-hmm. in, in Italy where like, you know, Oh, well like the, this X character, X character means this and Y character means that. And like, they're mm-hmm. all in the plays and they all mean the same thing. Um, But there's also like – there's also this quality in Russian folklore, uh, which you see sometimes in – and I'm just – I'm listing off names which people both love and hate. Mm -hmm. I will
1: try really hard to remember to include these names in the show notes. (laughs) Well, I'll say you mentioned Russian folklore, which is actually one of the few things I know a decent amount about. So like I immediately picked up on what you're talking about. And that was a – well, we'll get back – circle back to that. Okay, okay, Circle back. We'll put a pin in that. Um,
0: Mm -hmm. But I mean Mikhail Bakhtin um, talks about this particularly in his book on Rabelais. Where like there is, you know, there's of course a structure, but the fact that the structure is so firm in like folklore and social hierarchies and stuff means that you get a way to subvert the structure periodically. Mm-hmm. Um, like I think all of that is a little more. It, there's there's the, there's structuralism, and then there's sort of like this version of post-structuralism or post-post-structuralism, where you know even in the academy, people are getting concerned about close reading where, which is, you know, definitely, um, you know, as you're talking, I'm trying to think of all the origins of this and I have two theories, but I'll do the one first. Like the one place that I could have come from is the sort of prevalence of close reading in the academy where everyone is trained to, you know, read poems, you know, find the words for the poem and work it out essentially like a puzzle box. So like
1: mm-hmm.
0: Odin a Grecian urn is not about, you know, experiencing the poem or anything or getting a feeling from it. It's about, you know, piecing together okay like where should the quotes go around truth is beauty beauty truth um you know that's going to tell you a lot about what keats is saying what the poem is saying and you can make an argument about it and it's great for an english class it does not necessarily always work as an interpretive strategy uh yeah and so like yeah you get people in the in the academy worrying about stuff like close reading and uh suggesting things like distant reading where you you know you don't read with any context or or, you know, bringing up stuff like the, and this is actually, this will lead back into, into something I can ask you, like something like the, um, the intentional fallacy where, you know, wondering what exactly you, Scott, were thinking when you created a character, like, were you, were you sad when you created the character or were you happy Mm -hmm. or were you hungry? Um, that's, uh, famous article written a long time ago called the intentional fallacy about that, not being a way to read poetry, uh, getting too far into the intention can be a mistake. And like the question of like, okay, so like how far do I dive? How loosely do I dive? Am I missing a lot by not reading into it? It's like, it's, it's a huge analytical problem.
1: Yeah, I think, well, and and I think it comes down to, and this is something that we'll, we'll we'll also need to circle back to, because I think this is a big part of it is, um, The kind of things we're talking about often uh, seek to eliminate or give a, a framework for subjectivity, in a way that uh, makes it something you can like sub- like subjective things are hard to solve yeah for example there aren't a lot of there's not as a lot of subjective math out there um <laughs> you know i'm right. sure uh, like, actual math people are like actually that's all math but there's something but like well, um, you can imagine quantum physics right
0: like i'll just i'll just do the one i know where like actually being in you know your position of observation
1: um impacts yeah yeah the yeah but like in general, like algebra is not super subjective. Yeah, right. Something. Classic math, that's, you, you, Euclidean. Yeah, that, that, that's my that's my level of math is algebra two. Um, so I yeah, it. that's there's you a made ton. It. Oh, yeah, uh, then went back to general math review for senior year. It was great, but like, um, <laughs> uh, we're all all us winter kids went, but like, um, I think that. It, it, it's, it's interesting. So like a lot of the things with like fan theories and this kind of thinking is that everyone says like, Oh, well, you know, the author is dead. Author is dead. Like, you know, it, it, this is what I think it is and whatever. However, that's not true at all. People are obsessed with what authors think about right, things exactly, and what yeah. they meant. And Hey, like did, th- is this character meant to be this character? Like, Oh, like, cause they're, you're, they're asking at least the kind of emails I get. And in general, like when, when I see it, it's people wondering about extra textual things. Of like, oh, hey, like, you know, for our example, in our game, it's like when May went to college, what did she study? Mm, interesting. And I'm like, I don't know she was un, she was undecided or something. And folks will I ask. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. And folks will ask all kinds of other other things. And a lot of times I'm like, I don't know. I just never thought of it or, or it was not useful to the story. But I think there's the idea that these stories are these things that exist. These universes are things that exist. And you as the author have access to them in some way and you can just you know reach into that and pull out that information mm-hmm. and if not you're kind of willfully obscuring it or something um yeah because it is this kind of problem that can be solved so it's like you know you are somehow it, so it's like someone some, someone like may like our character it's like yeah literally i made her up <laughs> like, yeah, she doesn't, the, she doesn't the, the, exist in the world yeah she she doesn't she she exists in this piece and now she exists in the culture and in the lives of the people who experienced that character and have thought of her have maybe like created their own works with her and stuff it is always really neat uh and stuff and that's that's cool but like that's that's it so when people ask questions as if she is you know th- it it's 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 literalizing this thing in this like kind of interesting way so the author is like extremely not dead the author is like uh, I don't know like the tour guide for this other universe or the biographer of someone or the docent at a museum. Docent's <laughs> a great word I never get to use it. Uh, um, that and that and uh
0: oh there's another word, a stanchion. Stanchion is a word. What's that a I stanchion? Use. It's the you know like when they have uh the the velvet ropes up. Yeah, um, yeah. Those little metal guys that stand uh, that hold up the metal the the velvet ropes, those are wow. called stanchions.
1: Oh, I uh, cracked my skull open on one of those when I was a kid because I was jumping between them. I was jumping over the velvet ropes at the bank. Wow. Yeah. yeah. When I was like eight or something and I, I fell, uh, fell down, fell on my face on a velvet rope and the two of them came down on top of my head. Whoa. It was well, there, awesome. There's some more detail to add in
0: to your Night in the Woods fan theories. um
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, no but i and and again i I do want to stress because i need to do this because people will take this the wrong way i I do think it's great that people are that interested in it and i've certainly wondered about all kinds of stuff again this is more about the the kind of unexamined things that 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 this kind of thinking kind of leads to i guess yeah and i mean Um, like there's so like you were talking about the author is
0: dead and so again uh just because i'm a pedantic jerk um, please i'll i'll say the author is dead for those of you who don't know you you may know this scott um uh especially if you've done some reading of, in in formalism, um uh is is sort of like the the baby of of uh, roland bart the uh yeah. B-A-R-T-H-E-S. Um, b-a-r-t-h-e-s Barthes barths uh mm-hmm. he's french uh but the you know the famous post-structuralist and there's there's the author is dead. Like the basic, he has an article called The Author is Dead. So if you want to find it, just look it up. Um, you, you'll find it anywhere. I'm sure there's a million PDFs of it for free. Don't buy anything. But um uh, he, the, the interesting thing about what Bart, Bart is doing is it goes into what Derrida does, Jacques Derrida does, and a bunch of the other post structuralists do, where the idea is not that the author never had any intentions, but that in fact, once it gets into the hands of the reader, it doesn't quite so much matter. Um, and that's mm-hmm. a gross oversimplification, but you can see ways in which that works with May. where like, yeah, okay. Like what, what is sure? Like if, if I, if I care about May, if I feel something when I play night in the woods and I feel a particular thing and you tell me like, well, no, I didn't intend you to feel that thing. It doesn't really so much matter. Like I can feel that thing. Yeah. I can, I can relate to May in that way. I mean, this is what goes into like, you know, I, I, I joke around about this. Everyone jokes around about this, but like, there's a very, there's a real seriousness that goes into stuff like, um, like ships where like people will ship characters or put them in relationships. Like that's a a version of that where like, if you feel that emotional connection to that part of the story, like if that means something to you, you know, no, no amount of the author saying like, well, I didn't intend, uh, you know, may and B to get together. Like Mm -hmm. no amount of you saying that is going to change
1: anyone's mind if that's something that they got out of the story oh Um, yeah and for sure like particularly with with those two that that tends to be like when they find my corpse stabbed like in an alley somewhere it's going to be because i didn't i didn't have may and b get together in the game (laughs) but like um what's the ship name maybe Um, obviously yeah of course right right. um but uh and it's funny because it's like whenever i've been asked about this and I, i get asked about it uh, at, at first it was like every week i was getting asked about it. now it's just every once in a while um, and often they'll be like why did you stop this from happening <laughs> and like that's like that's like an honest, and, and it's um and it's one of the things where i understand it but at the same time like it, it's made me go like that is such an interesting frame that, yeah. to talk about a story that's like, fascinating h- how did you stop it and for the record for anyone who's listening to it like honestly my whole thing with like any sort of fan thing, particularly with like May and B, is just like, you know, we told our version of this story. Get, go, you know, like, cause people will call, well, people not call, but people will like email and say, hey, people I want to write fan fiction <laughs> where they, you know, where May and B get together. I honestly think that that is what should have happened, or basically. And I'm like, I, I'm always like, cool, go do your thing. That's awesome. Like, knock yourself out. Like, yeah. And I think people want, people do want kind of this. Arthur ar, ar, Arthurial. I w keep wanna say Arturial and that's not the right word. Arturial like, you know, like like blood. Yeah, yeah. Uh and then Arturial is uh like it's relating knight, to Arturial legend. Yeah, or <laughs> like, like the, or the knight Artorius from, uh, from Dark Souls. Yeah, yeah. yeah. People want Arturius's blessing uh, on this. <laughs> But simple they, they, that you have it. Yeah, they 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 want like the, the people who created it to say yes, that is what should have happened,
0: mm-hmm.
1: or that is. And I I think I, from what I understand, because I've been informed, I don't come from like a fandom culture background, and it is a culture. Yes. Um, oh no. Same and it, it is a subculture, and I don't I don't come from that background. So I've had a lot of my friends though, like you know, came up in that kind of thing, and they've kind of explained it. They're like, yeah, well it goes back to a lot of things. There was at one point where JK Rowling was really against some sort of ship and it became this big thing mm-hmm. and all this and these like wars about it. These are things that like, honestly to me sound like if you were like describing how like the Methodists and the Presbyterians split like 200 years ago or something, I'm just like, okay, like that's, that's cool. But like, it's, it's something that's like just so far out of my experience. And so, sure. um, but, so like, my general thing is, like, to totally affirm, like, fan creations and, like, fan, like, autonomy when it comes to that. It's like, go do your own thing. Occasionally someone will hit me with something that's kind of creepy, and I'm like, all right, well, maybe, you know, that character that you want to ship with May is a child. <laughs> that's <laughs> not cool. Oh, but man. I, but I also just don't respond to like half of those. Cause it's like, when I'm, I'm not going to sit here and argue with you, the, 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 the morality of your fantasy. It would be incredible um, if you responded to literally every single fan message. That would be, Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. It would be fantastic. That would be, um, some, that would be something. But, but like, so the, um, so all this to say is that like, I'm like super into like people shipping, like whoever they want. If yeah, people sure. are like, no, like May and B is a queer uh, ship that I want to see. I'm like, yeah, knock yourself out. That's cool. Go, go for it. I'm I'm, I'm pleased that this get, that you connected with it as much. Yeah. But um. But but there is that frame of sometimes that you get of Scott. You there there was this relationship it, extant somehow that that was stopped when you did not allow it to to be if that makes
0: sense. Yeah, and I think I think there's something there's something like so my other theory about why this is why this is so prevalent now is actually from like an older fan culture which is something I can relate with which would be like um you know sort of like pre pre and like during the early internet uh comics, sci-fi, fantasy fandom like that, right? Where like mm-hmm. especially in comics and, and comics seem like the the big one, but also like TV shows um Anything that sort of has a collective authorship, because um, mm-hmm. like you read a comic, right? And like, I don't know if you've read many comics when you were a kid, but like one of the or when you're an adult. But one of the things that stuck with me when I read them as a kid and when I read them as an adult is that I want certain things to happen in serialized comics. Like I want certain Mm -hmm. things to happen to Spider-Man or I want certain things to happen to Batman. Like that, that matters to me. Mm -hmm. Um, Wait, wait, what do you want to happen to Batman? uh, I want him to find peace, man. I want him to stop being Batman and open up a, uh, a Bikram yoga studio. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's ever going to happen, because uh, they yeah. they keep throwing out my letters, but
1: uh <laughs> bastards
0: <laughs> no, I mean like but you, but you sort of like you're sort of like, well, uh, well, Spider-Man's a good example because like Marvel set up the 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 soap opera thing so well where you're just like, oh, I want him to get with I want him to be with Gwen Stacy or I want him to be mm-hmm. with Mary Jane, and it, like it matters to you even if like for me, I could care less about most romantic comedy. I'm not really all that into it, I'm not super invested in anything romantic in, in mm-hmm. media but that I got invested in and so like yeah. you know it's one of those things where if you have a a writer on a particular series that's going that direction and then another writer picks it up and they're like "No, nah, we're not going to do it you feel a sense mm-hmm. of betrayal you're like but but it was there it was there you you, you have to continue the storyline um mm-hmm. and that's I mean in some ways that's a fair critique um in other ways it's complicated but I think it's 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 a critique that is it, it's it's very similar to but it's very it's 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 constitutively different from let's say something that is penned by say one or in your case like three authors working together very closely right like Mm -hmm. night in the woods is a is a contained object like it's it's something that you guys conceived from beginning to end um yeah and so like in that case it it would feel good if it was serialized in some ways there's a there's a satisfaction in that um but like the object itself is different than speculative fiction that say a fan or like like myself like if i wrote something about it that would be Mm -hmm. different than the object
1: yeah i think that that i think all these are like and the the way i think that these because um it's funny because like on on its face the discussion about things like shipping or the discussion of like is here and here's the thing this is like the other thing is i don't have a word for that thing that we just talked about of a fictional thing existing in a, in such a way that the thing coming into existence stopped it from being this other thing. Yeah. Like it actually, it reminds me of like SART or whatever, where it's (laughs) like, um, I'm going to totally butcher this is SART. I read like 10 years ago, but it's just like, Oh, it's like the negate podcast. It's it's like the, you you can totally tell me how, how wrong I am quoting, but like SART's whole thing is like, Oh yeah, well you're negating these possibilities Mm -hmm. by like, like, collapsing the way i remember it is basically like i'm crossing the room i'm collapsing this space i'm collapsing all of these all all of these i'm destroying all of these possible things that could that could be right by doing one i think that's Sartre. i think he he, he talked about that and and the, the sense of like radical freedom and all that of like yeah like you have to choose to destroy all these possible like futures mm-hmm. or this is yeah I, someone is gonna be like dude that's not sorry at all but whatever anyway i'll link you like i'll, I'll, I'll at you 30 times when they tell me but please do um that, or it's probably gonna be heidegger
0: they're gonna be like you're a secret nazi but like oh, um, i know i know heidegger because people have called me a secret nazi but i know
1: my heidegger and it's not, <laughs> okay. it's not heidegger don't worry <laughs> there you go but anyway um but so I think like on some level, like, like th- there is like that, like aspect of it, like the, whatever this term that we need for the viewing of fiction as a creative object that comes out of someone's brain as a destruction of an endless possibility space that people only knew about once they discovered the finite version of it. Mm mm-hmm. Does that make sense? it's like well, it's also like i am sorry, i'm cutting you off uh no but it, but it's it's like uh i it, uh, it's um someone like you you look at a marble statue right mm-hmm. and there's the the sense of like, oh, they found that in the in the sta- in the marble, basically. But at the same time, the idea that, oh, it could have been something else and you ruined it by destroying the marble mm-hmm. or something. Be, be this hyper awareness of of all the possibility spaces that you would have preferred it had been, that you're only aware of when you're presented with what it is.
0: Yeah. And there's a there's a there's a quality there where like you're arguing especially in in stuff like video games or or um you know contemporary fiction you're arguing from it from a plot standpoint and not necessarily from a structural standpoint which is like i mean not that one is is better than the other content and structure are classically
1: um a dialectic one one oh, yeah, of, totally one kind of blurs yeah. into the other and, and that's good I had, I had the really long conversation with someone about narrative versus narrative design last week it's very oh, similar
0: yeah definitely yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah. i mean like ultimately those two look <clears throat> like, uh, troublingly alike. If you look at them long enough, uh, in my, mm-hmm. in my experience anyway, but, um, that's also from the critic standpoint as opposed to the production standpoint. So there's another wrinkle. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's like, it's to me, it's like, okay, it's, it's okay to be disappointed that the plot in a story you're reading doesn't go, you know, a particular way. I mean, this is a classic mm-hmm. thing, you know, the, um, the story that I'm sure I've told in the podcast of, uh, in an early American edition of, um, not an early American, 19th century American edition of, uh, Othello, someone, um, during the scene where spoilers for Othello, uh, <laughs> oh, man, <laughs> I know you were getting to it, but, uh, uh-huh. yeah, sorry, dude. Um, so Othello, I was just getting into Shakespeare. So Desdemona doesn't make it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so when Othello uh, strangles Desdemona on stage, someone jumped up from the audience and, uh, and, and separated the actor from the actor, right? Like it was that real to them and they didn't uh-huh. want that to happen. So you say, yeah. okay, I get it. No one wants Othello to strangle Desdemona at that last minute. You want to be like, no, Othello, like you're doing the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but if Othello doesn't strangle Desdemona, it doesn't really work as a piece of art. Like it, 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 yeah. it works as a tragedy because he does. And so he has mm-hmm. to, even if we don't like it, he has to do it because that's yeah. that's what he that's what Shakespeare is producing. That's the that's the art. So like mm-hmm. there's a different register there. It's like, okay, like, yeah, maybe I was um I, I'll stop using Night in the Woods because I, I feel like I feel like I'm putting you in a bad situation. So like
1: um Oh no, no, please do because it's my main focus point of reference from the creator <laughs> end of it. So it's fine too. But yeah. Um but anyway, yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, like
0: you could I could say like, okay, maybe, you know, maybe I wanted um maybe I wanted uh okay here here's something no one really wants so uh maybe I wanted Angus and Greg to break up
1: um Mm
0: -hmm. I don't know if anyone wants that I can't no no one on earth wants that I was gonna say here's my fan link I here's my fan limit I can't possibly imagine anyone wanting that but okay (laughs) Um, but say say someone wants Angus and Greg to break up um and it doesn't happen in the story and they're like oh man like it didn't happen in the story Angus and Greg didn't break up that frustrates me um to me as like a critic or as someone who, who just yeah, not even as a critic, but someone who like enjoys art, I understand that feeling and I understand being disappointed, but then the next impulse isn't like, well, why, you know, why is Scott being unfair to me in, in doing this? Or why is anyone being unfair to me in, in producing this version of the world that isn't satisfying to me and more like, okay, so like, what's the point of not having them break up or what's the point of having it work out the way it did is mm-hmm. Is it interesting? Is it, is it consistent? Was it, you know, was it for nothing or are they trying to do something? And like that, that second batch of questions is so important to me, but one that I feel is not always asked
1: in uh, contemporary fandom. Mm. I think I remember you were the whole Mass Effect three ending yes. thing. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Where they changed uh, everything. Yeah, I fucking hate that whole thing. And it just like, I don't, I don't hate it. Like they can do what they want and stuff. And I actually know some otherwise very reasonable people who get like violently upset at the notion that them changing it was kind of silly or whatever. (laughs) But like, I I do think it's so the Mass Effect three ending thing was interesting because it was a chunk of fans who simply refused to just not like something Mm -hmm. like to, to to not say well they fucked up the ending, it, the idea was like no you owe us an ending yeah you owe us a different ending that we like, and Bioware said okay we're gonna do that we're gonna patch it, um, which is not to say that their original ending was great or whatever like you know, totally fucked up whatever but like <laughs> um, but the, the the conversation didn't stop man they totally fucked that up it was no you have wronged us as consumers by. Yeah putting out the version of this that is not the version of it that could have been the best version on a narrative level. Like, I get it if it's just like, oh, yeah, this sucked, that you should patch something that works. But it would be something like, like, Bioshock Infinite is a piece of racist garbage. It would be weird (laughs) if I was like, no, patch it so it's not racist. (laughs) Patch
0: this game. Oh, it would be like, it would be like um, complaining, which I have, that the end of System... I I just played System Shock 2 uh, because Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, just, just about 20 years too late. Um, yeah, it's the, fresh as a daisy. That one, yeah, but it, but it actually holds up. Like, which is, it, I, I've only played mm-hmm. a little bit of it, so yeah, it actually holds up really, really well, which I was mm-hmm. super pleased with. Um, but uh, the ending, they run out of money. I don't know if you knew this. They they ran out of money, um, and basically, they hired some like outside firm to do the last bit, and it is totally to- It's like off completely. Oh no! You see the character's face, and it's all weird, and like you know, like the, there's like an appeal to your, the villain makes an appeal to you. And it seems like in the context of the game, you'd get to choose. And instead it's Mm -hmm. a a close up of the, the hero's face. And he goes, uh, nah, and shoots a rocket (laughs) at them. Um, it's, it's (laughs) totally off. Totally. And like, Oh, that's great. And stupid. It's really dumb. It's, it's a perfect sort Mm -hmm. of like late nineties problem or early two thousands problem. And like, you know, okay. I would love if they could go ahead and change that. Um, but part of the reason I want them to go ahead and change that is because I think it's like a technical problem. I think they would have done it differently. Now, if they Mm -hmm. came back to me and said like, no, no, that's what we wanted. um, I think my, my mood there would be like, okay, like I think you made a bad choice. Um, Yeah. I don't think that's the right choice to make. And that Mm -hmm. makes me like the game less. uh, Mm -hmm. But I I can't ask you to change it because that was what your plan was.
1: Yeah. I think that the mass effect three thing was interesting to me because People are like finally a real ending. And I'm like, the the question then in my mind becomes what what is the what rea- what's real yeah. in this sense? Like what is the reality? Like if we patched Night in the Woods to retcon the entire ending. Which, which some folks like really wanted us to do because they didn't like the ending. I still like our ending a lot. No, but well, like, you know, the, I like um, the ending. I've I've, read, oh, yeah, I've written I, a long yeah. essay about why I like the ending. Oh, and it was very nice. Thank, Thank you. you Thank but you. like, um, I I like our ending. Like, obviously, there's every you know, especially a year hence, there's tons of things I'd go back and do differently. But I like it, and I think it. We knew what we were what we were getting into doing it. We knew that it was going to lose some people, but we knew that the people that it clicked with, it was really going to click with it, and we weren't going to be able to do that without doing the the way that we did it. Yeah. Uh, And so I'm happy. I'm totally happy with it. I I love the ending. It was intentional. 100% it was good. And um, but people I remember there was um, someone who put it like some site put it on like, you know, their top games of the year list. But they're like, oh, this weird autumn patch is coming. Hopefully we'll get a different ending. (laughs) And it made me think, like, what does that what does that mean? Like, what is what is reality at that point? Which comes back to, I think, the common thread between all these things lest we get too far off of it, is the notion that there is a literal reality somewhere in this that needs to be just connected up and then you can understand it. So like a mass effect three ending, no, give us a real ending or something. Or give us that last uh,
0: piece that, that, that actually like makes everything click and makes this satisfying in the way I want it to be.
1: Yeah. Like, or, or just change something like, you know, like with with ships or whatever, Mm -hmm. it's like, no, I want you to change this. And, the question then is like what changes like what is the reality that is being changed there Mm -hmm. that's like and and that kind of comes back to the whole puzzle boxy thing that no this this is just a couple mechanical steps away from all hanging together in this in this way that can be completely divorced from themes from subjectivity from yeah from actually what the author was thinking like maybe you just made that like you know that choice for a really dumb like i i often i I like it sometimes when i'm like you know i've thought about like a certain movie or whatever forever or like a certain book and then like you'll read an interview with the author and it's like oh why'd you do that and it was like oh well that care that man that guy was just like based off like a really shitty boss i had and that's why that (laughs) happened like it's, it's it's stuff that you have no access to at all like as a reader and so you have you know created all these resonances and all these things uh within your own mind that when you find out the mundane reality is really kind of dull uh- the, the best version i have of that is uh i was at a, a comic convention and
0: uh roy thomas was there who uh who you know wrote a million comics and he uh for marvel and uh some guy stood up in the audience very pretentious guy he was he was at the academic conference with me he was very 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 serious very nicely dressed and he was, mm-hmm. he was um Uh, Mr. Thomas, uh, you wrote this, you wrote the, the, this Avengers comic that dealt with uh, the women in the Avengers uh, defeating the men Avengers. And and it was sort of like a feminist comic way ahead of its time. What what were you thinking? (laughs) Right. Thomas kind of looks at him and goes, oh yeah, 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 sure. Like that's a, yeah, that's one of the ones people ask me about all the time. He's like, well, um, so I saw that feminism was, was big. And uh, I wanted a book that would sell. So I asked Stan if we could do oh, no. Feminist Avengers. And he said, sure. So I did sort of like a, a bra-burning uh, Feminist Avengers. And uh, it seemed to click. Oh,
1: no. And I was like, oh, man, like, that's a shame, <laughs> but that is so funny. I kind <laughs> of appreciate his candor about too. the whole thing. I appreciate that like, he didn't try to BS it. He's just like, meh, it's old books. Meh, like, I got, I have no actual convictions about this. Yeah. But, Yeah. Um, but that's always I amazing. That's, You're right. Yeah, I, I think like, and, and some of this comes down to the way that we choose to kind of consume like art. Like, I, I honestly, I'll just lay out like my own yeah, like please. the way that I tend to uh, that I tend to consume art and think about it because this is like this is not the right way or anything. None of none of this stuff we're talking about is right or wrong. No, it's just whatever. And like, um, for me. I tend to think of art and like narrative or whatever as really like a, a person to person kind of communication mm. on some level. Like I do like knowing what the authors think. It does not, does not the most important thing, but when we talked about folklore, for example, yeah. before folklore, like is such like, it is weirdly like literalistic in some ways, like the, like, Oh, these stories exist to be like, you know, they're either like really gallows humor or they're they literally are just like, you know, obey your parents or, <laughs> you know, this or that. Or this, this is the weird way we're making a, a sense of like absurdity and all these other things. They they um, they, they arise with uh, with a purpose from the, from their communities. It's like folk practices yeah. tend to have these purposes behind them. Like it's not necessarily like a purpose that always makes sense to you, like in hindsight, <laughs> but they they serve purposes and they come from things for reasons. Right. Um, that's one of the reasons I love folklore. And I think folklore is really interesting. Russian folklore, I, I think uh, me and like other, a lot of other people tend to gravitate towards because it, it it does actually feel like clockwork sometimes. Like there are certain things in it that just seem like they're very blunt and very kind of uh, like amusingly kind of blunt. Yeah. You know, it's like uh, three guys went out and they were going to, like, have, like, you know, a good time or whatever. And it was this guy and this guy and this guy. And it was a, you know, cold winter night. And they they took, like, you know, you know, a crock of whiskey or whatever with them or something. And they went out and they drank. And, oh, what do you think happened? They all died. <laughs> that's it. And that's the end of it. What do you think and it's happened? hilarious. Um, you know? And, like, like and, and the actual line of the story will be, like, and what do you think happened to these, like, to, to this man and this man and this man? Well, they all died. And it was just, like it's this hilariously just kind of like blunt gallows humor thing. That is just like a story that, yeah, like a bunch of like drunk people who were sitting inside when it's cold would tell, but it actually has like some sort of moral in the sense of like, in the end, we all actually have these commonalities in death and stuff. Uh, And that was just off the top top of my head. And I think I have made that one up, but it works because it it has that logic to it. Right. Um, And so folklore is always like interesting, but um, at the same time, with folklore, the it, it comes from this oral tradition. Like, it's not like, oh, this one version is the canon version. You know, uh-huh. it just is what it is. Canon, I feel like, has to come from some notion of agreed, geez, I, I don't know, like some sort of agreed, like, um reality. Yeah. Again, it's that reality, too. Like, what counts, quote unquote. And, like, for me... I'll, I'll, like what I like about art is I like the communicate the communication aspect of it. I like reading and going like, oh, what were they saying here, or what were they feeling here? And even if I don't like it or agree with it or I think something different, I, I like knowing like how that connection between the people who made it and me went. Mm-hmm. Um, th- that connection is kind of important, I guess. Art for me is a lot about um, this kind of human connection.
0: Yeah,
1: um, I think I agree and that. so. Yeah, and so, like, but that kind of human connection kind of flies in the, the face of the idea that there is external to all of us some literal truth uh, of a fictional narrative that the person who brought it to you can fuck up or that you, as the person who likes it, can uncover more truthfully, if that makes sense. like. Yeah. And that sounds defensive, but I don't mean that in that way, because I think that's like, because I, you know, read stories and I sometimes don't like them and, or, or I sometimes like them and want to think past them and add something to it that is resonant to me. And I think those are all awesome things again. Um, but it's, I'm always just kind of fascinated. Yeah. By that notion that there is this thing out there in some metaphysical sense. And like, I, I really am like endlessly grasping at straws to try to describe it. Um, because I don't know what the right word for it is that thing. Like if this is no longer me telling you a story, yeah. this is me giving you a window into another thing and handing the, the telescope to you and you going, Oh, I see diff- I see something different now. It's this thing that's outside of both of us. Yeah. Well, there's, a, I mean, there's, so there's a
0: lot that, that I have to, to say to all that, um, all of which is extremely angry because you've you've upset me. Um <laughs> uh, the I mean the one thing I always think about with with boundaries like that, I I've wrote about this in um everyone go read my piece on uh non site.org. Um Do but it. uh it's, it's 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 academic, but I it's actually pretty understandable, I think. But the mm-hmm. um or you can wait for my uh I, I wrote a piece for a a labor uh zine, uh British labor zine that uh that just basically is the bogos part, but repurposed. Um, I rewrote it. Uh, so it's, it's probably a little more up to date and interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't just copy and paste that promise.
1: Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving my bogus thoughts out of this
0: podcast. Oh, yeah, That's fair. Well, we, we can always, I, I imagine, well, we don't have to go into it. Um, <laughs>
1: yeah, I was going to say, I don't yeah, want anyway,
0: to close to it, mm-hmm. but the, I mean, so I talk about this a lot in uh, thinking about the Talos principle, but the thing that always comes up to me is, um, is the original pilot wings and, and also pilot wing 64, uh, particularly, uh, so anyone who's played pilot wings will remember this. When you get up to the edge of the map in the hang glider stage, um, it just stops. Like there's a fog there and you just like, you you can't go anymore. Um, So you have to turn around and like that, that level of like, yeah, this is the end of the map. Like there's just haze out there. Something exists, but you're never going to see it. It's just so interesting to me. Like that's such a a wonderful metaphor for that kind of fictional space you're, you're describing. Um, And I mean, to me, when I read, when I read literature or look at art, I, the thing I cannot stand and I, it's, it doesn't serve me well as a critic in some ways. Uh, I just, I just kind of have to uh, grin and bear it sometimes, but the thing I can't stand is discussions on taste. Like I don't really care, um, if people like the stuff that I like or, or more to the point, I, I super care and I think the stuff I like is really, really good. And I just like to argue about it would make me crazy. Uh, mm-hmm. so I don't argue about it. And like, if someone says they don't like something that's fine. Uh, but if I have a critical thought to to say about it, like I have like something that I think is actually important in there. I, you know, if they say like, well, I don't like it. I'd say like, okay, fine. But here's what's happening in this piece, regardless of whether you like it or not. Um, mm-hmm. this largely comes out of this like moment I had in high school when, um, I watched
1: the musical Oklahoma. Um, and I hated it. I really didn't like it. I, I thought you were going to say like, and I had this moment of like, in, in, in you know, heavenly transcendence. No, so nice. no, I really am not a fan of Oklahoma the musical. Um, Everything's up to date in Kansas City. <laughs> They've gone about as far as they can go, and then you were raptured into the <laughs> heavens. Yeah, that's when I decided this is this is my career. I got to do yeah, this is important. <laughs> um, I grew up on Rodgers and Hammerstein, so I have like. Yeah, this endless well of associations with all of these <laughs> really schlocky musicals. I know, it's fine. And, I, and I, I think
0: association is actually, well, that's a whole other thing. But like, yeah, yeah no, but I, I, I totally I totally appreciate that people have associations with these things. And I don't say mm-hmm. this to make, to make people upset, but like I just didn't like Oklahoma when I saw it. And one of the reasons I didn't like it was, so at the end of Oklahoma, uh, Judd, the bad guy, is uh, chased away by everyone else out of town, pretty much. Uh, or punched. He's punched. That's there's like a stage punch that high school plays love to love to do. Um, mm-hmm. But what I thought would have been a good ending in my high school mind was um, if Judd in Shame had um, had hung himself in the shack and it had become like a tragedy. <laughs> um, Jesus. Yeah. Well, it's, and so like I would I held for years. I was like that play is terrible. If only they had used my ending, it would be good. And mm-hmm. eventually, at one point, I kind of thought back on it, and I was like, no, like, that's just the ending they picked. Like, if I don't like it, I don't like it. It doesn't matter. Like, Oklahoma yeah. was doing something, and that doesn't that doesn't connect with what it was doing. Um, mm-hmm. And so for me, like, I'm much more interested in what something is doing than if I enjoyed the way it was done, if that makes any sense.
1: Um, yeah, I, I think, like, there's a level of, like, discussion of validity, mm-hmm. I think, of, like, yeah, there's lots of stuff I think sucks. With it's valid, mm-hmm. it's valid as as a piece, yeah. as as a thing that someone made. It is what it is, and it has a, a solidity to it and a and a and a validity to it. Um, that it like this is someone else's effort. I'm now encountering it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's like that's like the othering of art, which is so important. Like it is a thing
0: in the world that someone else has produced. Like that's it has to be ambiguous and hard because it's someone else's Mm -hmm. thing. Um, I think like, I I would also say that it's totally cool to then look at it if it meant a lot to you and say like, okay um, I have other theories about it or I have other things that I want these characters to do. And I think that's like something that happens in video games specifically because they are, as you said earlier, so subjective. Mm -hmm. But like to me, to me there's two risks in, in taking the kind of like personal, um, personal ownership of the, of the, of the art, uh, object uh, too far. And the one risk is you commodify it, you make it into something that serves you as a product as opposed to as an art object. Um, mm-hmm. and that's scary because then you get steam reviews like, well, this wasn't long enough or this didn't have enough endings or this wasn't this, or this wasn't uh-huh. that and like that shouldn't be the point in my in my opinion and like i think you know not just my opinion but i would argue that that's not the point of video games it's certainly not the point of art to like satisfy you as a as a consumer
1: um i think it's like if you make back of the box quotes like has guns and it should have guns, yeah, so like that, that kind of thing. Like there's, there's level of of like, yeah, this is just the general what you what. what this is what it says on the box. That's fine. Uh, I agree it, with it, that because
0: yeah. it is. I mean, it is a mm-hmm. product that people buy, so there is a consumerist aspect. To
1: yeah, it. yeah. Like if we put out Night in the Woods and it was just not a game, like I told, like or like it just nothing happened. It was just like a screen and then like that's it or something. That, that I that, that makes total sense. Like why someone would be like, hey. Sure. Hey, guys, I'm
0: I'm returning this to steam for reasons. Um, yeah. Right. But no, I mean, like, there's there's a way in which, like, it commodifies the product to a problematic way where you can say at the end, like, eh, I didn't really care for it as a consumer. And like, you know, um, I don't know, you would have to respond the same way as Coke would. Like oh, i I'm, mm-hmm. I'm so sorry you didn't have a good experience with Coke. What can we do? Can we get you a fresh six pack of coke? Like that's yeah. not you you're not the same as a coke manufacturer. like there's those are different in type, even if we get outside of capitalist critique, which mm-hmm. we never should. Um, but the other I mean, the other risk to me is that you get you get closer to people who just you, you get closer to the other end of the dialectic where people are saying like, Oh boy! Here's another SJW in the game. Get her out of
1: there. Maybe this game will be good. <laughs> yeah. So this comes down to kind of something that I had, I had spoken up kind of afterwards. So the way that this all connects, all of this stuff, and actually the Coke thing works because Coke is a literal object right. that is has these properties and that those pr- those boxes need to be checked that is literally all that coke is it's a bunch of boxes it should, it should, they prom- they pr- yeah. they promise that it should taste like this and look like this and cost this much and feel like this and not do this and if it goes out of any of those things you're judging it by these very very literal properties that it has yeah. it's not an ending it's not like a plot twist or something um and but With the, you know, what we talked about with the kind of like very literal. Sorry, I'm
0: just now now I'm laughing about the idea of like getting it, getting like a, uh, like there's like a poison in Coke, and you're like, this is a crazy twist. I didn't see this.
1: (laughs) There's a plot twist hidden in this case of of Pepsi. Yeah, like, I wonder if it's good (laughs) or bad. (laughs) But, um, yeah, it's this uh evaluation of it as this kind of like literal thing that goes back to the kind of puzzle boxy ness of it. This is like an issue that I've had with like TV tropes, right? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. So yeah. I, a lot of people love TV tropes. Please don't at me about it. Um but like uh but it, it, TV tropes I find really depressing even if a lot of other people find it really helpful because it atomizes everything down to uh you know quote unquote trope. And they on the site say things like, listen, tropes don't mean everything is like over uh overdone. It doesn't mean like, you know, you should look for the themes and everything. But in practice, um, a lot of the times it's just, oh, well, you know, instead of uh a a story being about someone's really personal relationship with like the divine or something, it's oh they're doing like a, a boatman's gamble <laughs> into uh this and that, <laughs> you know like it's a way of categorizing and wiki everything yeah. which is i think ugh, i think that for me that's kind of like the death like the the the, the swirling void at the center of like nerd culture mm-hmm. yeah. is is wikis it's wikis and and checklists and terminologies it's an and it's and it's categor it's taxonomies on categories on on lore and like that forever and ever and ever. And I think a lot of folks want narratives to be made like that. Like, so you can, if you just have, if you just read the wiki, you would know this. If you just have, because within certain cultures, just the access to that knowledge and internalize, internalizing that knowledge and be able to whip it out really quickly and make all these connections. That is social cachet. Um, and that is, that is kind of like, and so I think art, you know, you're just talking about comic books, you know, it's like, all you know, this endless like metatextual thing or like where metatextual, no, what, what's the, what's the term where everything refers to itself? Oh, is that metatextual? Uh, uh, intertextual, intertext. In, in, in intertextuality yeah. Like, um so it's just like, oh, well, like, you know, you have like the Marvel universe where everything exists to set up the next thing. Exactly, right like that's it. and that's why I fucking hate all those movies so much I I, I, have a I, I, I gave them to
0: actually I used
1: to be a big I, I gave Marvel them head. like ten, yeah I gave them like 10 years for to for me cuz like I would always be like am I just being whatever but it it is it does come down to that It's the fact that nothing ever happens everything simply leads to the next thing yeah. um and that's – and and it works because, you know, if you want to talk about the capitalist angle of it, it works. It's an endless content farm. It's an endless tease to come by the next thing. Yeah, it's delayed gratification you know? forever. Yeah, and so, like, what you want is something that can inspire endless amounts of speculation, just endless. and And, it, and because of that, it can spin off endlessly, too. Mm-hmm. You can have right. – you know, we need. Well, we need to have the movies that set up. Like, you know, we need seventeen movies to set up this one movie, and this that one movie. It's to set up the next yeah. thing, and that one movie. Is, and then, then we have sequels to all the things that led up to it. And it's it's this endless content farm. I think um, 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 Ian Williams um, uh, Brock Tune on very, Twitter. Very very good follow. Good good guy. Yeah, uh, that guy is fantastic. Uh, check out some of the. Writing on labor in, in in video games, he did for Giant Bomb a couple of years ago. But he's talked about, um, I believe it was him, going to totally misquote him, but the fact that something like, you know, you know, A Song of Ice and Fire, you know, Game of Thrones, whatever, it's it's made to go forever, mm-hmm. and like the expectation that these series will just go forever and ever and ever, and these things made to need to be endless kind of content farms to be sold and that being that part of the consumptive consumption of of nerd culture, I think goes into and like that kind of obsessiveness, those things feed into like the, the wiki culture for lack of better Mm -hmm. words uh, uh, of that. I, I think that these kind of puzzle box kind of narratives and these expectations and these analysis of, I think are kind of like parallel to, in a lot of ways of, you know, if we can just, list everything out find it figure out the literal reality and if and if things don't fit into that literal reality then they're kind of pointless i heard people i haven't seen the new star wars i don't care about star wars all that much but i've heard people have this discussion about the new star yeah. wars but that plots, there's plots some yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what, what would
0: you say direction? well so like the what i saw like i was thinking about this too where like uh, a lot of people will be like well pose plot doesn't make any sense it doesn't add anything to the to the story. And like, even people who don't like star Wars are just like, well, that's not why there are plot lines in movies always. Mm-hmm. Like it's, like you yeah. don't have to immediately add something to the story that then like the story couldn't exist without it. Like there are plot lines or like characters in films that are meant to be thematic or meant to be suggested mm-hmm. or to forward some yeah. sort of like aesthetic, not always just mm-hmm. so we can have like another check mark on the plot.
1: Yeah, and so like I I, I said, I haven't seen it, but I I saw people talking about that. Actually, it was right around the time I was writing that thread, and so a lot of people thought that I was talking about Star Wars, and they started talking Star Wars in my mentions. And I'm like, I literally have not seen this movie, and I don't know what I'm going to. I don't, I don't care about Star Wars all that much. They're 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 fun and nice. I'm not like a hater, but you know, whatever. It's just not not my thing. Actually, when I was I was I I was an Indiana Jones kid when I was okay. Uh, Sorry, I'm sorry the way that ended up. That was no, that's fine. But here's the thing I, I'm not asking that that be uncanonized. Hmm. They just made a bad movie. There you go. And like that, that, that kind of, um, that, that's my relationship with the Indiana Jones movies, movies that I basically had memorized from when I was a kid. I loved them. And it was because, you know, they were about like weird religious spookiness and history. And I mean, a massive <laughs> amount of misogyny and colonialism, but you know, um, <laughs> that too. <laughs> But, you know, when I was a kid, I was just like, you know, as growing up as a kid who was interested in folklore and religion and, you know, the world and history and stuff, uh, that was kind of like my into it. But when they fucked it up with, with, with Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. It's not like something where I'm like oh no Indiana Jones is is ruined because Indiana Jones doesn't exist. He's not a real person. <laughs> right, it's movies. It it's it, 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 it's a movie. It, it's a fairy tale. It's a funny story that we are that we're having together and it meant a lot to me as when I was a kid and to a degree as an adult too. I can still watch like Raiders of the Lost Ark and be like man this movie fucking rules right, yeah. um and stuff uh and uh, and I can be like oh uh, well, you know last crusade John Connery and son they they're so they're they're fun together etc. But that was that's my that's my interaction with it. Um, I'm not sitting here thinking about Indiana Jones all the time. Young me was all the time, but <laughs> um, but it, we, we, you know when they made Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, my childhood wasn't ruined because like it's a movie. Yeah, like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and it, and 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 they made a bad movie, and you have to give people, you, you have to allow something to be bad. Yeah, that's really just, that's really well said. To just, to just be bad. Like it's not, it's its not crime against anyone because, because these people don't exist. They didn't ruin anything, but there's a level of nerd culture that I honestly just think is a kind of consumer culture that is just like, yeah, you didn't give me this thing that, that you said that you would that, like this thing that I consume. That means so much to me. Like it's that, that it starts having this almost literal reality to mm-hmm. it where it's just like, you didn't just like you know make a bad movie. You ruined a th- a, a, an extant person or something. It's also like when I mean, and and, and this sort of goes back into
0: into validating shipping, like which mm-hmm. I think is good. Like I I think like to validate shipping and validate like even let's not say shipping. Let's say like the stuff that like kind of led to shipping in some ways. The the kind of. uh you know other worldliness of uh, alternate universe theories or like do you want mm-hmm. Bibles or um, you know any of the any of the various sort of like gray market and then later on sort of speculative work that was in comics and stuff where hey, yeah I usually just use the term like fan work or fan yeah, creations yeah. or fan extrapolations or That's something really, like yeah, that Yeah, absolutely like I think there's there's a long history of it and it comes from the sort of imaginative impulse that a work gives you But like, you know, if you say I was trying to think of like a good example of this, like, you know, if you if you're so like, oh, here's a good example. So like when the when the new trilogy was announced uh, for Star Wars, we'll stick with Star Wars. um, Mm -hmm. They said, okay, well, all the expanded Star Wars universe stuff is is now not canon. It's not that was see that was another thing that blew my mind. I'm like, what does any of this mean? Well, Everyone lost their minds like, well, hang on, like now you're telling me people spent all this time creating this universe and now it doesn't count. And it's like, well, it it still exists. still counts. If you want to count it in your mind as some sort of alternate star Wars universe, that's fine. Mm -hmm. But the minute you let Disney tell you, and I I don't want to sound like, you know, ad busters here. So like, you know, Disney being the (laughs) the sort of like operative person telling you this, um, Mm -hmm. as soon as you let Disney tell you like, yeah, okay. Like the, the books you read don't count anymore. And you taking that as like, well, I guess they don't. Then, I mean, at core, you're just letting like a top-down figure telling you, tell you like what you can and cannot imagine, which is about as dystopian as one could possibly want.
1: Yeah, it's weird. Like, I I always again come back to the like, what is like the reality of the thing? Like, what what has changed? Like, if they mean like, like when, when something like isn't canon anymore, mm-hmm. like where did it go? Where did the validity of it go? Cause I understand it in the sense of, Oh, we're going to do something different now. And like, we're going to do something different and we want to build this differently uh, than we did. Uh, we want to have like our own space and we want to do this. That's the story that we want to tell now. uh was, was, you know, even removing it just from like the shitty Disney corporate context. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, it, and, like, yeah. and, like the, the creeping gray goo that is that kind of intertextual nerd culture that will never end and it will eventually devour all of culture. I'm Um, excited. I mean, as a side note, I'm excited for when I finally get my
0: night in the woods, uh, cameos in Marvel versus Capcom 21.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. We're, we're finally bought by Disney (laughs) like everything else. Um, you know, your family, entire family has been bought by Disney. Your mom is now a Disney princess. (laughs) You know, it's great. But like, um, But yeah, like, uh, so, <laughs> but yeah, like, um, when, when I tell people, like when people kind of, you know, email me and ask for kind of basically affirmations of their shipping and I'm basically all like, yeah, cool. Go for it. That sounds that sounds great. There's actually a fan game being made. That's just a dating. So oh, neat. Um, then stuff and like, <laughs> it, they're put, yeah, they're putting a lot of like work into it. It takes place in the future. Um, uh, you know, for, you know, we have nothing to do with it. It's not quote unquote canon. Uh, any more than, like, the Taylor Swift video that ripped us off. Oh, yeah, <laughs> is, sure. right. Um, but, like, um, you know, um, it's not, but, but that doesn't, like, matter. It's just, like, no, this is this is a bunch of people going, oh, wouldn't it be cool if, and this is kind of, like, what I'd like to see, et cetera. And it's, like, that's awesome, you know, cool, like, you know, go go for it, like, knock stuff out, and that's like honestly like my reaction to every single bit of fan stuff, unless it's like super creepy. And I think that's cool of you. Like I think, well, not the creepy yeah. part. Like you should, you should affirm them too. No, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, yeah, yeah, of course, you know. But
0: uh, like, but no, um, I think that's cool. Like I think that's, I think that's great. I, I don't, I don't know how much I think, and I, I really don't know. I, I think I could talk myself into saying everyone should be that way and be okay with, with you know, letting their thing into the world and and letting it kind of grow as it does. But I think what I, w- what I definitely believe is that you doing it is really cool because it gives people the confidence to create the stuff and, and the confidence that like, okay, yeah. I, I can do this. I think that's great. Mm-hmm. I guess like my, my concern is like, and I'm not, I'm not contradicting you here, so I shouldn't have interrupted. But like, my concern is always that like, if you
1: had said no, then they'd be like, well, I guess I'm not allowed, which is like so dark. Yeah, it's the it's the idea that um, by and honestly, some people are like by not saying that the thing that I want is either what should have happened or what secretly did happen again in that kind of whatever literal reality that we're all supposed to be somehow contacting right. in some extra dimension. Um, the I also I don't know of a better way to think of it. it is just like another dimension, like in this other dimension. Um, there are some folks who do get angry and are kind of like, well, no, the thing I wanted to happen. And it's not, and it's not always like, I'm using the may and B thing. Cause that's more common. People get upset that Greg and may didn't get together, uh. which is weird. Yeah. No one likes that. Whenever I mention that I'm like, I'm like, no, that's not going to happen. I, <laughs> like, that, um, that would be like, I would, I, the, the whole polit the whole gender and like queer politics of the game would have been so broken if you did that. <laughs> It would have been, and at the end, everyone got hetero. But um, the uh, the, um, but yeah, like that would have been weird and fucked up and whatever. But like, um, but so we, you know, the um, but yeah, there is that kind of thing sometimes where, and it goes back to that what we were talking about originally with the puzzle box thing of like, what is the concrete information, and is the fan thing that I that I, as a fan, I'm thinking of, is that closer to the concrete information mm-hmm. is like the concrete reality. Can I change it? Or is this close to it? And that concrete reality going back to like the mass effect ending of, well, what's a true ending is it's, it's, it, it boggles my mind. And it's like, and it's, I talk about it and I always get annoyed when I talk about it. I'm not really like, sometimes people are jerks about, but people are jerks about everything. Sometimes that's not, that's not really a thing. Um, this is again, not me complaining about like fans or anything, but it is my, my brain has such a hard time. I'm fascinated by this question of, you know, what is literal reality yeah. in, in this conversation between a creator and people, you know, and, and, and the people who actually are inter, inter interacting with the, with the creation, I feel like that there's the, the bad side of that does come to you know that kind of like really shitty nerd cultureness of these you know the endless wikis and lore and checklists and Jeez. these canon deconstructions of of, of of cold hard facts um, that leads to I think this kind of puzzle box analysis of like you know at the end of our this is spoilers i'm just gonna spoil the end of our game okay spoilers uh yeah but we know we know they come in like
0: the last like 10 or 15 minutes of the episode or i don't know how long we'll go but like
1: towards an hour and a half so i've given you enough time to turn it off uh so go ahead yeah there you go um you can just go back to the bait and be like uh, about 90 minutes in we start spoiling shit um <laughs> yeah, but uh yeah. So at the end of uh, at the end of the game, there are some aspects of actually now I don't know how spoilery this is going to be. There, there's some aspects of Night in the Woods at the end um, that are are things that I don't have a great like literal real like reality explanation for. Like I can I, I can explain it. I have my, my own version of it in my head of what the literal reality is. But it's kind of like it's vague for a reason and it's left out for a right. reason. And there are parts of it that are just not there. And like part of like you not having that information is not there to make you go, okay, audience, I left you all, you know, I'm like the snowman guy, like Mr. (laughs) Police officer. I left you all the clues. Like, uh, it's not that it is literally like, no, you just don't have that. That information is just not available to you. Yeah. Um, and and it's that for way for a reason, but it's also not there. But the reason isn't so that you can be super sleuths and figure it out. It's just not there. Mm-hmm. And it's been funny watching a lot, a lot, a lot of kind of going back and forth with, with that folks have done with each other about know but what is the actual reality of it and i get emails of like when are you going to finish the game <laughs> by telling us what the literal reality of it and it's like no that's just you just don't know you're not supposed to know yeah like and 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 you not knowing is part of it it's not supposed to be it's not it's not supposed to be like well you're not supposed to know so never think about it it's not supposed to be you're not you're you 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 don't know so go figure it out it's it's part of it is it's thematic it's there's metaphor. There's there's themes. There's all these other stuff that, but just like listing out like the bald faced reality, quote unquote, of it. And by reality, we're again we're getting into that what the fuck is reality in this sense. Right. Um, but like, um, so it's it, what I love is there's a few like fan videos out that like go really deep into like discussing the end of it and how it's like a direct adaptation of uh, uh, I think it's Haunter in the Dark, one of the later Lovecraft stories. Wow, <laughs> stuff or like it is literally this, or it's literally that there's a character near the end that doesn't have an identity that is available to you, the player to find Mm -hmm. out it just isn't there. Like, uh, that's the, I guess that's the, the only big spoiler, like, uh, is that this, that will, uh, (laughs) this will end up in the fan wiki at some point, uh, which I love again, I should point out, I do love that people care enough about it to do this. And this is not me being annoyed with it or anything, blah, 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 anyway. But like, um, You know, that person has been people theorize that, like I said, way back at the beginning is like when it comes to like the small universe of these things of of possibilities is that, well, there are a few characters that are notably absent in the game. It must be one of those three Mm -hmm. characters as opposed to, well, maybe the fact that you just don't know who this is and this is just some person that is around and stuff. Like maybe that has more to do with, what the game is up to yeah uh or maybe that's just scarier uh to the person who wrote it or and and it's not as scary as to you as if it would be if it was a major twist or something um, Yeah, and it's and so oh, go ahead sorry oh so i i think that's one of those things where it makes it difficult to then discuss themes because mm-hmm. yeah part of the like because I I think that that kind of like wiki lore puzzle box type thing is it makes it really difficult to talk about themes in a way that isn't like oh yeah well you're talking about like capitalism or you're talking about you know patriarchy or you're talking about kind of like the latent middle class fascism or something or you're talking about like this existential stare oh yeah okay I understand that but but what's the real thing going <laughs> right. on? B- b- because you filed away those themes and those metaphors as just another quote unquote trope. Interesting, yeah. So it's like now, but now that I've discovered what the trope is, now I need. But yeah, but what's the point? I've. Do, but uh, yeah, you're doing this trope, but you know, but what's like you know the next part of the puzzle. Right. And it's like no, like it's not tropic. This is this is kind of what we're trying to express, and which is why I think with Night in the Woods, I was really, really so pleased that so many people connected with it on this really personal level. Because if you connect with it, like you're not necessarily thinking about it in the sense of, oh, I've atomized it to this point where I've just have I have the whole thing in some literal fashion, like (laughs) figured out. It's like, oh no, this was where I am, and seeing that. You know, like there, there's a line way in the game, uh, late in the game that I cribbed from Oswald Chambers or praise from. He's like a Christian uh, writer. Like I was reading his like devotional book like 20 years ago or something. And there was some sort of thing that was like, oh, well, you know, the, you, you can't always look for what something going to teach you. Like instead, of, like God is going to kind of like, you know, change you in some way. You mm-hmm. know, it's like not everything is going to like give you a concise lesson. Yeah. At the end of our game, like uh, a character says that like, yeah, the big things in life don't always teach you something, but they often make you things. Mm-hmm. They they make you into something and you sometimes have to wait a while to, fa- to see what that even is. Um, I think that that is kind of, at least for me, how I enjoy... And again, I also like a lot of puzzly like narratives. I'm someone who likes a Christopher Nolan film. Um, you know, I, I I like the Prestige, which is just this thing that we're talking about. Oh, yeah, like, I like at in its Inception's biggest, the same thing. form. I mean, I like Inception. Yeah, and it's literally the same thing. Yeah, it's the exact same yeah. thing. But the thing also with the with Inception is is you know does the top stop spinning is the least interesting possible question? Yeah. Like okay. what what interesting like whatever like. Like it's far more interesting. Yeah, like I think we might have talked about this online or some, Or I ta- had this conversation. It's like no, the interesting thing is he walks away from it. Right. We did talk about like this at some point. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, like that's what's interesting about that moment. You know, is it, it, it's, it's not the question. It's it, it, it's it's what happens is it, what these character is what this character does. What does that mean for this character? Right. You know, what it, what what is this kind of subjective thing? And I think that sometimes this can take the place of all that spooky subjective stuff. So you can have folks say things like, well, just redo the story, but take out all the politics. <laughs> because the, there is, there's this idea that the story is there, under there somewhere. Oh boy. I, and it, in, in, in some pure form. I don't know what they expect to see if you take off the politics from your game, but... Uh... <laughs> I don't know either. I, I feel bad because I'm like, I'm like, maybe I should be able to be like, yeah, you're right. Here's the somehow apolitical... I mean, nothing's apolitical, but the whole like the setting something, of the game. Yeah, it would make no sense <laughs> at all. Um, but um, if you particularly didn't like, or didn't connect with the politics, you might think, oh, well there could be this thing that th- these things were foisted on this thing in the same way that you not putting two characters together. Yeah. Like, you know, there, there was this story and you fucked it up somehow. And and not in the way of, I just didn't like it, but there is some sort of pure good version of this in, in here that you have done. Yeah. uh, I I keep running out of, of of the, of the right terms for, for this concept of there's a literal thing. You are bringing it through some interdimensional portal or whatever, but you know, you're, you're a, you're a broken vessel like everybody else. And so like you're, you're, it's, it's not coming through correctly. I
0: mean, it's, it's, in some Um, ways it's just the, it's just the, giving the author or giving the artist the, the freedom to be vague. I mean, like, mm-hmm. you know, like giving, giving people like the chance to uh, giving an artist the chance to say, like, I didn't solve this for you, or I I don't have an ending for you. And that's, that's like, that's the whole point. There's no ending. Um Or there's yeah. like the ending here is like, you know, I don't know if, uh i don't know if like x happened or y happened that's kind of like if you want to think through it go ahead but there's not a Mm -hmm. conclusion here and i I think that's like that's so incredibly important to to keep in mind otherwise you sort of imagine it as like a second plane that someone is describing to you imperfectly and betraying you somehow
1: yeah it's interesting so this has like This is such a massive topic and like it's funny because even as we go around around on this like we're kind of like it's funny because we spent this whole hour just delving into it. Yeah like really come to such police. a massive 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 topic like there's kind of like no great like takeaway from it other than we're we're like and that's why i'm really fascinated by it now because like at first I, I i didn't think about it as much because like i thought about like oh like kind of like the nerd culture thing of is like it ends up being just kind of like wikis and lists of tropes and secret knowledge and intertextual stuff and these are all things that i kind of have like very low tolerance mm-hmm. for um it just in fiction i don't like that in fiction at all like i i tend to like one-off things series are cool and stuff but like all my favorite hellboy stories are one-offs yeah all my favorite it's, 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 are it's, it's, stories actually too i've, I've had that yeah experience. all yeah all my favorite movies are one-offs um and almost none of them are things that are have these giant huge twists in them although those are fun too i, I, I like to those again like prestige, I, I should, so you know Yeah, I like the prestige, but like my favorite movies, like uh, none of them have the have those giant twists, but they're they're certainly in there. And and again, I want to point out uh, um, that all these things that I'm describing people doing, I've done myself at different times, you know, i not necessarily in the sense of like that relationship with the author as them kind of, you know, pulling out something that should be pristine in some sort of like. Half ruined way or whatever. I kind of think if it was half ruined, it was just that's how it was. <laughs> like the thing it just is yeah. bad, or in, in in some way. Like I, I I'm, I'm, I'm really comfortable with just saying, oh no, I think they just fucked it up, and it's a bad story. Yeah, exactly. I like or it's a bad I, movie. Are, but like, um, do but, anymore. Necessary. Uh, people you say? aren't
0: willing to say that as much
1: anymore. Like this is, bad. I think so. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. This just I sucks, just man. Like yeah, like, it's just not great. Like, I think about the things that I really, really don't like, like, that I, I always bring up Bioshock Infinite. And, like, I'm like, yeah, I, I kind of know why that game is the way it is, like, because it actually fits a, a specific kind of mentality. specific so kind of politics and stuff. And I, it's something that I don't agree with at all. I don't think it's good. I think it's actually actively bad. And the, uh, and I feel bad because Bioshock it just tends to be in my punching bag whenever I bring these things well, these up. I dare <laughs> like, you to um, write the next one. I know I'm never going to be on Bioshock for, um, yeah. Uh, but like, uh, where we're in some sort of like e- e- Elon Musk utopia, but it's actually great because Elon Musk invented uh space, but, um, the, uh, and solar power, but, um, <laughs> what have so, you done? I, what have you done? You PhD holding, witch? um, this is a reference to no one's going to yeah, understand. A... Uh, I will not cut it hey out. Hazel. But <laughs> like, um, so uh but yeah like uh but but beyond that kind of thing like i've done all like all this stuff there's like there's tons of stories that i'm like oh man i wish i could change or i wonder about this or oh be interesting if those two people got you know all that stuff like i've I've done that too this is not me sitting here going like oh yeah i you know just close the book cover and put it back on the shelf having ingested all of its uh all of its nutrients (laughs) and that's it or whatever like no that's absolutely not the case certainly uh my mind makes connections to things but i do tend to like things that are more one-off i like things that end i like endings yeah. a lot even if they're that's bad easy. i like endings. it's interesting when they're incomplete yeah i like i like an, i like a good vague incomplete. I, I like you know the one of the best endings ever is the ending of um uh, a serious man oh you know i haven't seen it yet people have told me i need to yeah like so no spoilers uh, but that's an ending that I've seen a lot of people complain about, but I, I think it's perfect. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Um, so there you go. There's some, there's some hype built up for the Ooh, end boy, of the serious excited. man. Um, but um, something like that, or like, I, I like an ending that has um, that, that, that does not, that has some ambiguity and like, and, but in like, and there's good ways of doing ambiguity and there's bad ways of doing it too. Sometimes people try to be ambiguous and you're like, dude, that just sucks. Yeah, right. Well, <laughs> or something. Yeah,
0: but like, that's, that's again, the thing, like you can succeed at being ambiguous like I'm 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 reminded of um the 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 podcast S Town.
1: Did you listen to that? I haven't heard uh the person who told me about S Town did not like it very much. So S Town. So, I mean there's
0: there's there are things to dislike to to be sort of concerned about with S Town like the ethics of the whole thing yeah. are a little questionable. Um mm-hmm. and I won't I won't speak to that. Like I I've heard those critiques and I think they're probably true. Like I I you know they make sense to me. But what's really interesting about S-Town is it's the story about um, effectively, it's a story about this really, really um, esoteric and weird dude who, whose main job and main passion in life is remaking clocks, um, Mm -hmm. broken old clocks and like putting them together and stuff. And then also making this maze and like building this hedge maze. And at -hmm. the end of the thing, like, you know, he might have a treasure buried in it. He might not, he might be, you know, you meet this guy who, you know, might've been someone he could have been a partner with. Like they, they might have a romantic thing, but maybe they didn't. And it's, it's it's this ambiguity Mm -hmm. and it builds up like every NPR podcast does like, or long form podcast does where like at the end you're expecting some sort of big thing and there's no reveal, like it's all sort of ambiguous. But what struck me about that was when people were like, well, I wish it had a conclusion. I wish they would have found the treasure or whatever and it's like mm-hmm. this is real life. Like this person existed. Like, you yeah. can't add anything here. There
1: is an actual literal reality to this one. Yeah, I'm sorry. We don't we don't get closure on this one. They yeah. didn't. They didn't make any more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you can criticize it in the sense of okay, then why did you choose to tell this story? Sure. Like, yes. Exactly. It, it, yeah. Like if this doesn't is you know if you know this is actually why I don't like biopics a lot because uh, a lot of times I'm like this is a really unsatisfying story. Uh, why did you tell it? person just dies <laughs> um <laughs> what the fuck that, man that is yeah that's true uh, have you seen uh, no country for old men i have yeah i really love the ending of uh, a country for old men it took me a, a long lot. time to love it but i do too yeah same when i first thought i was like man this what it just and like it just kind of ends and like i love that movie now because it thematically, like it does exactly what it should do, and obviously because you know, based on the book and everything, uh, you know, this is what Cormac McCarthy was up to. But like, it's all what he does with his endings, yeah, um, yeah. At like, end, but, but, not um, good. But wait, wait, what would you say? I I don't like the ending of the road in the book. Neither me either. Good lord, I do not bad, like that ending at I'm all. Bad. But like, um, uh, but the, um, but yeah, the No Country for Old Men, though you know, the way it ends with. Tommy Lee Jones, you know, visiting his uncle, who whatever his like relation to that guy is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then having this like dream and stuff. And then you realize, like, oh, the movie was actually about this. It was not about necessarily this caper, this yeah. like crime, this gritty crime thing. It was about these other things going on. Right. And you can kind of try to build. You know, the puzzle box thinking would be, well, the guy that he talked to at the end is secretly the one who employs Javier Bardem and stuff, and he's going to come back. And that's how they're connected. They're connected in some very literal manner, mm-hmm. as opposed to, no, this thing happened because the story is about something. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's not it's not it's not just like a thing you turn the crank on. It, and it is that a little bit, but it is also about something. And the and the things that happen bend to bend to uh and and shape around and are shaped by the thing that it's about not here's just a bunch of really cool shit that happens (laughs) um and and here's how it's all super interconnected and here's how you the viewer uh can pay attention to all the clues yeah and go go and go look it up and find out the real real reason behind it um so I think like that, that's a good example of a really good, at least for me, a really good story uh, that ends in a way that if you're looking for it to kind of connect up in this very literal way, you could probably be. And I know this because that's what I was looking for when I first yeah, saw it. Too. I think everyone you probably be like, well, yeah, like that's a cop out or like they they just run out of money <laughs> or something like you said with <laughs> system shock. <laughs> Are they going to patch in like the, the ending where uh yeah what's his face gets away yeah, 20, 20 year something. anniversary they're gonna do that yeah we really need to say what happened with uh with with his hit with his wife at the end like you didn't to, you didn't see her die so <laughs> you know she could pop up at the end and like at the end of tommy lee jones's thing and she could be like no we're gonna go take down this cartel because uh, i have all the info now or something. yeah huge, huge <laughs> blaze of gunfire at the end of no country for old men <laughs> yeah they're like riding out on like a horse and stuff <laughs> and like uh Whatever. And it's like, yeah, that, that's it's. And if you didn't like the ending, like that's that's cool, too. What? You know, I, Like I said, I didn't like it when I first saw it. But when I got it, quote unquote, um, or when I warmed up to it, I was like, no, this is this works because this movie was not about. It was not about it, it, it's not it's not it's not a puzzle to be solved. In that way, in that like literal like way, it, it is a movie about these larger themes and all these things are being depicted because they talk about these larger themes. Uh, and that's the reason why they're there. They're not there because there's an extended literal universe <laughs> that is pulling the strings. They're there because the author wanted to say something. Yeah. And that's why they're there. And that is. And so now this becomes a conversation between you and the work and, and by extension, the author um, of it. Uh, and that is for me, at least where the really, really interesting stuff takes place in art a lot of the time. Um, you know, like where was I at when I experienced this? What did it mean to mm-hmm. me? Oh, what did they, what were what they trying to say here? And in, and, and if I don't care about that, what am I taking away from it? How do I feel like that, that communication has, has occurred, um, mm-hmm. and stuff like the same thing about like music, like you hear like a song and you're like, oh my God, this is exactly what I'm feeling right, right. now. And you can sometimes feel a connection with the person performing it and going, yeah, this person sounds like I feel. And there's something like almost like kind of holy about Mm -hmm. that. You know, this kind of thing like of like, oh, okay, I'm understood. Like, I'm not alone in this. And for me, at least, that's like one of the highest things that art can do um, is that feeling of, oh, I've connected and I feel you know, we joke about the term, like, I feel seen <laughs> or something, but like, but it is like that thing of like that feeling, that recognition that going like, oh, okay, we there, there there's someone else here in this with mm-hmm. me and I don't feel as alone or that someone else is as pissed off as I am right now. And we're, I'm singing along with them. We're singing together on some sense. So that's kind of how art and that's how stories are super important to me, I guess. And with something like Night in the Woods, like like I've I I, we were talking before we hit record, and I was like, yeah, well, the really rewarding stuff with Night in the Woods has already happened, which was basically that is people being like, oh, I connected with uh-huh. it, you know, even if they are looking for some sort of really hyper literal puzzle box answer to everything, you know, people still on this subject on this spooky subjective level, which is scary, yeah, because it's vulnerable, it's vulnerability, you know, the people who have connected with it. And it's not because we did a super great job or anything. It's just because we have these commonalities as people and, and stuff. And so at least for me, that's one of the things that, uh, that I feel is really important about art and that I feel like the kind of nameless common sense analysis of everything as this kind of mechanical box kind of can get in the way of. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah so that was a lengthy
0: no i think it's actually uh, i i I hate to say this but it's because i i like talking to you but uh i'll have you on again i'm sure uh at at this point it's like a standing invite that i that i can only hope you will take advantage of um uh, (laughs) i I, I come when i'm summoned um but no i think that's a perfect way to to end it because it it, yeah i just i i think i'm just gonna let you have the last word there because that's uh that's really perfect um so scott uh any last words that you have i i we've we've touched on the spooky subjective on the on the nature of endings on the need to be vague on the spooky subjective. all sorts of stuff the spooky
1: subjective is my uh mid-90s emo band it's, it's, it's my, there's like just periods between the words uh spooky subjective. yeah yeah you'll be you'll be on tour with planes mistaken for stars yeah yeah <laughs> that's right yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're we open for the juliana theory <laughs> uh, it, was, they, it was pretty great my, my my
0: wife had that in her car before we were before we even dated in high school uh, it's what juliana, juliana theory. Theory? she
1: had love by the <laughs> julia is that one of their records mm-hmm. i don't know the only brett detar project that i will even countenance is the second Zayo album <laughs> this really good same. oh boy No i know because um he was on he was on the I think he's just on where blood and fire bring rest, which is like the Zayo album. That's really good. I, I think he might have been on the one after that because that one's pretty decent, too. But blood and fire, those first few songs fucking slay. So I still. never I never got into Zeo because I, I was definitely one
0: of those dudes who was like Christian hardcore. No, thanks, man.
1: Yeah. Growing up as as a Christian kid, uh, Zayo is interesting, though, because like even they're like, like, oh, God, don't let me get into the endless, long, weird history of Zayo. I'm just saying the first few uh, as as an atheist now, the first few tracks of where Blood and Fire Bring Rest, I'd say the first three or four. Yeah, man, the first couple are pretty good. I mean, I you know it should be the intro and outro. It's just all. Same. I'll, I'll check it out
0: because, like, honestly, I still i I don't know I if I it's still not, good, but probably I mean, not. I mean, that's like, no. but that's, that's still good to you because you'll listen to it, and you'll remember stuff. But uh,
1: there's um there there's a song called A Fall Farewell, which is pretty okay. good. That's like the third track, and then the second. This is just the Zayo cast yeah, now. Welcome, welcome, uh, welcome yes. to hardcore from uh, 1997 to 2004. Um, the podcast <laughs> everyone just wanted. About... <laughs> <laughs> finally, uh-huh. finally, someone to discuss the lengthy history of Zayo. Anyway, um, no, I mean th- the Julian Etheridge guy is on one of those albums. Is what okay. I'm saying. Well, yeah, I mean, like, like uh,
0: Christian Christian hardcore can rip. I uh, I listened to. Uh, <laughs> I listen to shockwave a lot who were just, uh, the, Transformers Oh yeah. yeah version of disciple AD. Um, yeah,
1: yeah. That was Dave. Those are, those are some Dave Quiggle bands. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah. But yeah, th- these are, these is all shit from my high school. Oh, that's so, funny. From my high school. Years a buddy, well. a buddy
0: of mine, uh, my, my buddy Vin, uh, lived up in Erie and, uh, he played drums and disciple asked him to mm-hmm. play drums for him. And he was like, I no." <laughs> he's like, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> into your whole scene, man. And, Mm-hmm. ex-disciple X ex. yeah, ex-disciple adx yeah
1: oh man. yeah lake effect hardcore man <laughs> all right well uh, now i know what you're coming yeah. up for the next show uh <laughs> yeah somehow relate this to video for, games is, it'll make that'll that'll be our challenge uh you can talk about like christian like you know talk about 90s adventures. Talk about victim.
0: uh god oh, yeah, all are. right well thanks man this was really fun uh obviously everyone knows where to find you online everyone's already following you but you are at Bombsfall.
1: i am at Bombsfall uh on twitter dot com our game I, we made a game called night oh, in the why Woods. did you talk about it at all uh, i always forget to do the plug um yeah it's out for everything is it out on switch yet Basically, i know i know you guys were
0: talking about that when are, you, when are you putting this up? Uh, probably,
1: uh, I don't know, next week? Uh, next week we will have announced it. So, yeah. yeah. Nice. That's uh, <laughs> at the very end. Yeah, uh, depending on when you put this out. Yes, it's already out, or yes, we've, uh, we've just announced that it is. So, <laughs> yeah, one of the two. As long as you wait till next week sometime. I, I yeah, yeah, that, wait that, till that... next week sometime. Ooh! You, this is officially embargoed. Please don't put this up until after we Ooh, announce. All right, this, all right. Wow! This is supposed to happen next week. This is,
0: this is special. Um, this is that's my first embargo, I know, right?
1: Wow! <laughs>
0: um, well, yeah, I have no way of enforcing this. Get it, get it everywhere. <laughs> I, uh, I I know a lot of people have been waiting for it on Switch, so I'm I'm excited for them to find oh, that's it. That's cool.
1: Hey, uh, just in general. Hey, you. Hey, you, Trevor. Yes. And hey, you, everyone. Thanks for just giving a shit about this weird game we made. That's really cool. Uh, it's amazing to me that anyone give, like cares about, about it still, which is really funny. Um, and that's not even false modesty. It was just such a personal weird game that like, I'm shocked that people are into it. And for all like the talk, talking we were doing about different modes of analysis and everything, I, I, it is really amazing to me that people care enough to do all that, you Amen. know? like. The fact that we've gotten like how many podcasts out of this? So this is our third.
0: Oh. Um, no, no. Yeah, I will that, say, that, I will that, say, two of them were not explicitly about Night in the Woods, but we still talked about it a lot. True,
1: that's true. Oh, yeah, that's true. They, they were about yeah stuff in Kentucky zero, but uh, yeah, yeah, man. No. Anyway, thanks for having me yeah, on, Yeah, man,
0: and thanks for uh, thanks for coming. And, and you know what? I'll if, if since you since you got emotional and and vulnerable there, I will say I will say thank you for creating the game. I I know I and a lot of other people really uh, did connect with it. Hey, man, you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. We'll come back anytime, and uh, yeah, we'll see you then. All right. See you later.